Hey Geekscape, welcome to a brand new Geekscape. I'm sitting here with my good friend Ian Kerner, no stranger to Geekscape as he was on our very first episode and has been on many episodes since. If this is your first episode of Geekscape, we're going to be talking a lot of uh, basically geeky, geeky stuff. We've got to talk about um, you know, some new Spider-Man movies. We have to talk about um, some of the trailers that came out this week. And definitely we've got to talk about the big geek movie of the week, which is The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. Uh, which we saw, and uh, if you haven't seen it, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So this is Geekscape, and um, I hope you guys are prepped up. Yeah. Um, By the way, it's based yeah. on a book. <laughs> it's, it's based on a third of a book. Well, where do you stand on... No. It's not really based on a third of a right, book. Right, right. I mean... Where do you stand on the whole uh, controversy of taking a book like The Hobbit, which, you know, is a children's book, is the argument. It's a children's and book, you know. And turning it into a three movies. I'll tell you, when... And I, I actually want to say this as a sort of disclaimer going in. Normally, when we, you know, when there's an underlying work um, of a film, I'm very familiar with it. I read The Hobbit when I was 11. Right. You know, which is quite a while ago. It's over 30 years ago for me. Um, so, you know, I sort of remember it. But you know, at the time, I remember reading it and thinking, what was the big deal? But then I read Lord of the Rings and I was blown away. Yes. I mean, you know, and if, 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 for those, I don't have to get into the whole history. Anyone can look this up. They don't need to hear from me. But essentially, you know, Tolkien wrote The Hobbit. Then he went, and I think he spent more than 10 years writing Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted to go back, and he wanted right. to work The Hobbit back into the Lord of the Rings. So he kind of wanted to, like, age the, make The Hobbit grow up mm -hmm. so that it felt seamlessly. So there was 114 pages of notes that he had written right. to rewrite The Hobbit as something that was on par with Lord of the Rings. And that's kind of what... That's what Jackson, Jackson was doing here. Was and, doing. Yeah. And, and, and I will say that initially I wasn't excited for the Hobbit movies. What? I'm, I'm telling you, I like the idea of going back, but my, my child itself remembered that I wasn't that excited about the original book. And what I'm finding, both in uh, the first one and now the second one, that the best parts are what, what's added for me. You think so? Because yeah. things, I, things I, like... I love, like, I truly yeah. love how they've made it a true prequel. Um, I and, and by right. the way, I, I don't, you know people that have listened to the show when I've been on before may know this, but you know the, the general rule is when we're going to review a movie, what we've always done is we try to go together, yes. but but we don't talk about it after. We sit there so that way we could kind of you know get the yeah we had that shared experience yeah well, and oh, then we talk together. I, I, I wanted to let the geekscapers know how much you jumped at the uh, the spider the spider when the spider yeah. jumps out in Mirkwood. Spiders get me, man. Did spiders really get you? Yeah. That yeah. Mirkwood sequence was cool. It was spiders. really cool. And I got to tell you, like, I was sitting there thinking, like, blew Harry Potter away. Um, I love that sequence. And that sequence was in the book where right. Bilbo saves them, saves the rest of the dwarves from the spiders of Mirkwood. Right. Uh, I loved that sequence. And that sequence was great. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I will love the Hobbit movies. I will always love the Hobbit movies. And uh, They're not perfect. but Right but off the bat, these ones aren't perfect. And, and they're kind of... They kind of feel like they don't have the structure that Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings films did. Like this one, it feels like the, you know, there's not as much of a and if so, therefore writing structure. When, and what I mean by that is this happened, so this happened, therefore that happened, which is sort of where you build like a really strong spine to your, your narrative engine. Mm -hmm. And this one, I feel like it's sort of existing in a and then. And then, yeah, and then, well, 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 and then. Well, the other, the other thing to talk about, because we started talking about, you know, how this film is derived. Um, you had a very short children's book. And mm -hmm. even if there's 114 pages of notes, it's still, you know, when I told you I wasn't that excited, part of my lack of excitement was 
how the fuck are they making three movies out of this? You know, when you look at it, when you watch it, you know, I just feel like there's, a, there's not that much story. There was a lot of story for Lord of the Rings. You know, you don't feel when you watched each one of those movies that it wasn't, okay, it, it, nothing felt like filler. Yes. You know, here, it's beautiful looking, this fantastic action pieces, but a lot of them go on forever. And like, it's seems just like, more of the same. Seems like Bayorn at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, what, who cares? Right? Why not add Tom Bombadil while you're, while you're at it? Right. Remember? Because that was one that fans were like, where's the Tom Bombadil scene from the very, in the first movie? And now you have the Bayorn scene. And, it, it, you know, are we going to see him again? Right. Who knows? I thought it was cool, but exactly. That's, yeah, what, I that's was what I was cool, wondering. But who knows? And there was one sequence um, where I literally turned to my wife and I go, this could have gone in the director's cut. And I think it was uh, one of the sequences between uh, Evangeline Lilly and... Um, and uh, who, who's Orlando Bloom? No, the, the actor who played his father, Lee Pace. Lee Pace, you know, who's like from the Pushing king, Daisies. Yeah, from Pushing Daisies, who's like king of the elves, right? right. Or king of the wood elves. And, and, and I gotta say, Evangeline Lilly felt like not the actress we remember from Lost. There were scenes where I thought she was spot on and awesome, and then there were scenes where I was like, whoa. It, it, I loved it, her. Yeah, you, I, lo- you I loved her. I loved every scene she was I like, in. I, I, mean, I mean, of course, I have a huge favorites. crush on her and all that. Oh, she's but, great. But uh, she was awesome. And that's actually what I was going to say. I was like, you know, everything with her was just great. Um, I just watched the extended edition right before But it before felt like went. an added scene. It felt like a scene oh. that, was, that was filler between her and Lee Pace. And you get that same kind of sentiment that Lee Pace isn't going to help anybody. And, you know, he's not going to help the outside yeah, world. Yeah, you're, you're positive. Yeah, obviously, obviously. But you get that scene with his son, and it's a more important scene. I, I, I see your point about things they might have edited. Um, what's interesting to me is, because what I felt about this movie, I felt about the first one. But then watching, even with an extended edition at home, didn't bother me at all. It's fine. Right. It's a different experience. I love it's, editions, yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's a little. I don't want to say more tiring exactly, but it's different to sit in the theater. You sit at home and you watch the whole thing. It's fine. You're a little you know comfortable. It's a little bit different um, because I enjoyed the extended edition sitting at home of the first one a lot more than I did in the theater. Agreed. Some of that is seeing it a second time. I know it's going to be, and you know, sometimes it seems like it drags a bit when you know it's going to be the second time it doesn't bother you as much. But, um, you know, we, we both felt that the scene at the end, so beautifully done. It was stunning. It was great to see it. And it's not that I per se would want to say, like, I want to see less. You're talking about the Smog Battle fighting. of Smog. Yeah, but, yeah the yeah. Battle of Smog. But um, it felt like it went on for a while. And you made a comment feeling you felt like it was a video game it felt like more, a boss battle it yeah. felt like there was several stages well yes the boss. But, yeah. but more specifically my feeling was it didn't just feel like a video game it felt like i was watching someone else play a video game. right you know right which i don't care how cool it looks when you watch someone else play a video game you get bored and there, some of that felt like it was a narrative thing when you come into the uh you know where where, where is it like the kelm or whatever kelm or whatever where they're gonna uh forge the the gold or right you know they're gonna yeah. start up the fires yeah, yeah and they immediately go in there and they go we don't have a fire that'll light this. Right. Hmm. And you're Where are you going to get a fire? Come on. Right. I mean, stuff like that just felt telegraphed, and I think it lent itself to those scenes feeling long. Yeah. Is it impressive? Jesus, is it impressive. That last sequence was smog. And I told great. my wife yesterday, I said... Smog, period. I said, I'm I have amazing. been waiting my entire life to see that scene where 
Frodo or Bilbo is talking to him in the pile of gold. Yeah. And that that sequence was so awesome. So awesome. Where he's in the gold, he's taking the ring on and off, he's talking and, to. And, and excuse me, and and you know, not, not to, to reference something else, but it's Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. I, you know what I mean? Like when, I, when, when he first starts talking, when Cumberbatch first starts talking, you're like, oh, it's better than Cumberbatch. But his performance in visually, that stuff is so impressive yeah. that immediately it is Bilbo and Schmog and you're loving it. Yeah. You are loving it and it is awesome. In the, in, in, it, it, it is this movie's Bilbo and Schmeagle. Yeah. 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 No, it, it, I mean, it, it's fantastic. And the ending is fantastic. Um, well, does, does it go, does I, I, it go I, I, too I want long? to discuss the well, ending. Do you want to run into being a, a person who complains about too much cotton candy? No, no. Yeah, no, it, it can yeah. make you stomach sick. Right. But you, you no, it's, it's it. awesome. But but I mean, I have to admit, and this is funny because you know I like going to midnight movies, and we went to an eight o'clock show, and I was like fading a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it's, it's sort of My like you know, this was fading. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you're just kind of like, again. okay, what's going on here? You know, but but I know that when I watched it again. In the extended edition, I'm not going to have any issue with that. Yes. You know? Um, they telegraphed the whole movie. See, that's just it. Here, here's something I want to say when I talk about how much plot is there. I mean, as soon as you see Bard and, you know, and you, you, you get into the city and all that, they're telegraphing that he's going to have to be, you know, he's... The hero. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Goss is awesome, too. Yeah, but, but I'm saying, like, you know it's going to happen, and, and again, you see getting spear, spoilers. You see, yeah, I'm, guys, I'm calling spoilers right you now. You shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, uh, the, the movie ends, it's the Desolation of Smog, but we don't get to the Desolation. No. That, like, you call the Desolation of Smog, I even went, ooh, they even say well, that, the line, the Desolation of River Smog. Town looks pretty desolate. Yeah, but it's, it's about to get a lot worse. And um, Dell looked completely desolated. Right, but, but what I'm saying is... The yeah. movie is set up for it ends with he's going there. And are we going to have a giant three-hour action sequence for the third movie? Well, that, that's just it. And I hope so. When it when it ended, I went, "Wow, he didn't even go there." I figured this movie was going to be all the smog stuff. And then I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, but if they don't have him in the next movie, then what do they have in the next movie?" Right. Right. Fighting the Nickermancer who doesn't get defeated, so he can go on and become sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No. Which they call out. Now, I love that stuff. You know, the Sauron Necromancer yeah, stuff? Yeah, because for me, that's the, it's a prequel. Right. What I don't get, what I guess we'll see in the third movie is, it's so directly on point, how can 60 years go by without anyone dealing with it? You're right. Yeah, because 60 years do go by between right. the adventures in this movie and Lord Mind Lord. you, you know, when you go and you look at Fellowship, you see that they have power and they've done stuff. Mm-hmm. So we know from the original trilogy that there's a lot of stuff they're going to do, and we also know that Gandalf knows, but, and we know that you know, Galadriel and the other elves know, so it's not that weird that, okay, this is how they know, right? But 60 years seems like a long time. You guys have been sitting on your ass. Elrond, yeah. you've been sitting it, on your it, ass. It, it seems that way. But, but you know, listen, the, the argument is, though, being Aragorn and everyone else, were they really sitting on their ass? And we just didn't see the fellowship. It doesn't mean they were sitting on their ass. And did Gandalf know that, he, that, that Bilbo had the ring and would ultimately give it to Frodo? Exactly. So 60 things. years, if he spent looking for something that was under his nose the entire exactly. time. Um, you're right. I mean, and, and hopefully, hopefully we get a Return of the King type addendum to like the end of the last Hobbit movie. Right. Where it might actually even take us right up to the doorstep of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, I mean, they, they've certainly framed it that way. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the, the lake town is basically the ending of right, Hobbit. Right. You know, it's, and clearly it's going to be more than that. Right. Because I mean, now you have it, the necromancer. Well, it's there and back again. Right. For 
people that don't realize the original book it's called The Hobbit or There and Back Again and There and Back Again is the subtitle of the third movie right so we, we can so. see something where in like the first act of the third Hobbit movie you know you have the battle of Lake Town right and then, and then back again is still they could add all kinds of stuff to it right. I mean seemingly you know the question becomes Gandalf's off in this movie you know already taken prisoner by Sauron and all that I mean it has to be dealt with you would think for the sake of structure it would be the band of dwarves that would help him. Sure. Or That's what you would think. You would think that them. that would come together. What's left of them. Exactly. Um, so that's my other complaint. Yes. Is um, there's not a lot of gravitas in the battle with Smog with them when no one dies. Uh, no one dies. Uh, the only dwarf who I mean, seems to be in any danger is Keeley, who's not right. in the battle with Smog. I mean, you know, what, what was it? His, his teeth are swords. His, yep. you know, claw. I mean. Yeah. His claws are spears. His claws are spears, and yeah. everyone's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean sort of, if I have a complaint, it's like, all right, I get that he's playing with Bilbo. It's not like Bilbo really seems like he's any threat to him. Right. But the rest is like, really? Like, he doesn't manage to kill any of those dwarves. Yeah. Um, the thing I, was, I mean, didn't you, you felt like he was Wile E. Coyote. Uh, there, are, there, there actually seem to be, and maybe the fact that it is a prequel plays into this, because you know where the dwarves die. And, I, and the one thing that's great about Peter Jackson is... In the, the Moria sequence, mm-hmm. two of the dwarves that we know of, that, that we're experiencing with, the, the, the story with right now, are in that grave. At the, in the Mines of Moria, when they, when they find the, uh, you know, when, when, when you have, uh, what's his name, uh, the dwarf? Gimli? When you have Gimli come in and he's like, oh my god, they're all dead, and you see a couple of the skeletons. Two of those skeletons are part of this group of dwarves. Mm-hmm. You actually see them. Um, and that's an incredible uh, attention to detail because the armor is the same, the weapons are the same, <laughs> everything that those skeletons are wearing, you see in this group of dwarves here in those two characters. But it takes back to that, that, that lack of urgency that you're talking about. It kind of feels like, it, like the story's being pulled along on a string when you don't see things like the dwarves die, da da da. Keely, well, Keely's well, the one that's in danger, right? And early on, about halfway through the movie, uh, or a little before that, Keeley's hit by an arrow. Right. You learn shortly thereafter that Keeley is done for because the main orc says, we poisoned him. Right. He goes, we don't have to worry about 13 dwarves. We have to worry about 12. 12 dwarves. And he's telling Toriel. Poison right. And, in, 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 Keeley doesn't die. Keeley, right. Keeley, it actually goes over a day before he even turns pale and collapses. And he's, he's talking about this fast-acting poison. Well, he says like it's, it's poison. Like we, it's fa- we, we, and he talks about how it's fatal. He talks about him like he's literally going to be dead. Right. And the dude lasts forever. I, I don't have a... Well, we don't really know how long it took. I don't have a problem with... He's saying it's poison. But it he, sounds he like, oh, shit, they got to get it cured. Well, they got to get it cured. And then you don't for another day and a half. But, but they, they did get a cure. If, if they didn't happen to be at Lake Town where someone knew about... I mean, I thought it was a little convenient right. that they had the herb and they were already getting it. I, so. I, I expected to be much much more Toriel's doing, but it was, if right. you think about it. The you know, the herb alone wasn't gonna do it. It was the fact that she's a high elf and elven she spit on it. elven medicine, elven magic. Right. Yeah. You know. She she, she rubbed it well, on a private park. No, going. come on now. She was uh I kinda liked that romance. That is it a romance or is it not a romance? Whatever. Well, that, it was, that, that's another Keely thing I'm wondering where are they gonna go with it. I mean it was it, it, but there, there was definitely it's a cute chemistry thing. I mean Bottom line, that's why they cast him. Right. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, uh, oh, it just so happens they cast someone who he doesn't look dwarvish at all. No, he's a really good you know? looking dwarf. Yeah. He, he, you he know. doesn't have a beard. No, he doesn't have a beard. He, you know, well, he, he kind of looks like the, the good looking vampire from being human. Oh, wait. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but at the same time, I think that Thor and Oakenshield is a good is is also handsome. He does have a yeah. dwarf, and he could he could become a romantic interest. The stuff that um, well, he I mean, listen, right. he, he, the, the, he, down to the casting. I mean, they kind of he's right out of the Aragorn mold, right? You know, I um, mean, my my favorite moment in the movie is probably the sequence where he confronts Bilbo uh, in Sauron's or in Smog's chamber and says, "Where's the stone?" Right, and Bilbo kind of has this Which ring felt, moment. It, it felt very like yeah, Gollum. yeah, yeah. Well, well like, more than that, yeah. it felt very much like you know fellowship and everyone wanting. You know, yeah. it's like Kasmal called it out first. It was a, that that greed. The the yeah. whole thing is the Arkenstone. You know, corrupting them. Oh, they're dwarves. Dwarves only care about gold. This is what they want. You know. So when you see and, Thorin, and it, you see like, a different sh- like shade of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's creepy and it's cool but it also throws back to and that's why I think the script is actually better than uh, maybe it, it, maybe you guys thought that we didn't like the script because of the, and the but I think uh, there's a moment where Frodo or Bilbo loses the ring and he finds it because the ring calls to him mm-hmm. in, in Mirkwood and when he puts it back on or when he finds it he can he literally has this moment where you're just watching him and he's kind of doing his emotional math of what the hell's happening to me with a ring calls to me and I just unleash violence on this crab monster <laughs> that comes out by the ring and he's almost horrified by, by what's happening to him and then later when he sees it in Thorin Oakenshield in that, in that scene that we're talking about on the ledge in Smog's chamber um, that's where I think the script is really good and I'm like wow that, now there's character levels in here where you literally see Bilbo not just becoming a better character because he's taking action and he's rescuing and he's becoming brave and that, but he's also starting to make judgment calls based on those around him. They're not yeah. just 13 dwarves. Well, well, it's well, a delineation. Right. Well, there's, there's Gandalf's great line that he's changed. Yeah. You know, and there's that moment where he almost tells Gandalf. And instead, what he says was how much he has changed. I've discovered my bravery. Yeah. I found something. My yeah, bravery. I found something. He was going to tell him of the ring, but then it was, no, the ring's influenced him. Right. So it's like, yes, you have. You know, and one would think that that's the change. Or at least you can't put your finger on it. It could easily have been that. Yeah. It could easily have been the experience. If he actually told Gandalf about that ring, uh, they immediately would have gone straight to Mordor and thrown it in the magma. Well, yeah. Before. before and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. That would have been it. And, and, and it is kind uh, of funny to think about, stories. you know, these movies, you know, all of them celebrate, oh, the bravery, wonderful, this hop. It's like, yeah, just how many people of every race, you know, end up dying in the next you know, 60-odd years because, you know, you kept the damn ring. Because Bilbo kept his mouth shut yeah, in that moment. exactly. Didn't say, oh, Gandalf, I found a ring. It's kind of yeah. messing with my head a little. I see dark stuff when I put it on. But, but, but let's remember that, you know, going back to, you know, the later movies, it's no one else can hold it, including right. Gandalf. It has to, you know, own, the hobbits are so pure of heart that they can deal with it. Um, they would corrupt anyone else. Well, it does, I, it does I mean, Smeagol was a, a, a hobbit. They didn't say Smeagol Hobbit-like. Was, yes, no, Smeagol was a Hobbit. Was Smeagol was a Hobbit. Smeagol not only is a Hobbit, but he kills his brother to get that ring. He smashes his head in with a rock to get that ring. Murderer. And it's awesome. Yeah. Do we see that? We didn't see that in the last one, did we? No, we saw that in, in the... Yeah. It, it's awesome. I think this... And it's, is it, it in I mean, Two Towers? I think it's in Two Towers. What I remember, I remember it from reading it in the book. Yeah. It's, when I read it's it in the books, I was like, yeah. wow, this is really dark stuff. And he took that ring, and, and, and Smeagol was a hobbit, mm-hmm. but he was a hobbit who had it for too long, you oh, know? Yeah. Prolonged his life, it twisted him, it made him live in the dark. Right. It's awesome. Well, remember, there's that great scene in Fellowship with Bilbo where he has that flash, mm-hmm. you know, and he looks like, it's like he's very Smeagol-like, mm-hmm. 
you know? So, you know, you know it's going to come. It's going to get there. It's going to get to him. So the ring's in control. We can't, we can't blame Bilbo just being a selfish jerk in that scene where he doesn't no, it, it, it's the ring's in control. Him. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to say I'm blaming Bilbo. It's just one of those, yeah, I mean, listen, the ring corrupts everybody. Right. That, that's what it is. Will you see this movie again in the theater? The second Hobbit movie? Because we, we did that with the, with, the, with the first Hobbit movie. Um, no, I only saw it once. You only saw Unexpected Journey that once? Yeah, time yeah. You? you know, my rule with them... Going, I saw it twice and I did backflips. My rule going back to Fellowship. After Fellowship, I saw it twice. And every other one, I said, my feeling, especially on those, because it was so much credit, I said, I see it in the theater once, and then I wait for the extended edition, what? and I watch them forever. I saw some of those Fellowships... Uh, the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I saw. I think I saw some of those three times. No, I, I believe it. Listen, listen you know, you know the this Hobbit about me. I saw it twice. Look, the look, last, look, the John, Jonathan, you know this about twice. me. No yeah. matter how much I love something, I watch so much stuff and read so much stuff yeah. that you know I rarely go to a theater twice. I mean, I really wanted to see Thor again, and I just still haven't done it. Right. You know, because um, uh, you know. You, we didn't really get into Thor. You didn't have me on for that I one. I did not have you on for Thor, but it was a fun movie. It's, I, I think it's second only to Avengers, which I know you don't love. Ooh. But you know. I like Avengers. Don't love Avengers. Yeah. And for me, the, but, the, but if I, we're going to talk Marvel, the brass ring is still that first Iron Man movie. There's a lot great in the first Iron yeah. Man, but you know, it, the end's not great. Well, he, yeah. Uh, I kind of like the end. He fights another version of himself. Yeah, he does the yeah, Marvel thing and fights another version of himself. Right. Um, no, and honestly, if you're looking at Iron Man as a series, yeah, the problem is you you go there once. Right. I mean, notwithstanding that it's common in in the comics of Iron Man always fighting another someone in armor, and he's always he's going to beat him, you know. But you know, it gets tricky. Right. Um, I mean, we have talked about how. The misopportunity what, of the Mandarin being yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Be, uh, us, you know, the, the, the kick in the balls to all fans. <laughs> the, 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 the very big fuck you, I don't really care about fans. Well, if, if Thor tells us that magic exists as a different form of technology, which the Thor movies bent over, the first Thor movie bends over backwards to present magic and Norse mythology and all that as just an alien race, in right. a different type of science, why not make Iron Man battle "Quote unquote magic," knowing but, but, that it's that, just that's a just, different that's just form it. of no, wait, technology. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Here's my my probably my one complaint, and it's a big one in Thor two, which is, I thought it was very clever when they were developing Thor. I was worried how is magic going to work, and they really developed something that I honestly only ever saw in the Marvel handbook. Um, this reference that they're extra dimensional aliens. Right. You know, it was not something that was ever really said much in the comics. You know, then in recent years, you've seen Tony Stark maybe mention it once or twice, but you, you don't hear it a lot. But in this movie, it really kind of took me out. It was really weird as a comic fan to see as Guardians, you know, manning, you know, laser cannons. Yeah. You know, in this space battle coming through, it's like, I'm oh, watching, I'm watching a Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. yeah. And that's happening, you know. And at the same time, as much as they're trying to push, no, look, in that moment, it really is just, you know, science. Aliens, yeah. But then you turn around and you have the enchantment of Mjolnir. You have, oh, Freya was a witch, which is the implication is that's why Loki has powers because he learned it from her. But what did he learn? You know, right. you don't see a device. So fine, we still don't understand it. But when they use the word witch, you're saying magic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always been magic. You know, it, it's the same thing. You know, it's Norse stones. Even the S.H.I.E.L.D. episode follow-up, you know, that I know you haven't seen yet. Yeah. But they get into this staff that, you know, berserker powers, you know. It's, 
I mean, look, you know, for all we know, with some advanced nanotech, these things. Sure. You know, but you know, it's still like they're skirting a line. They're having a lot of difficulty, you know, straddling it. You know what I mean? Um, and and it's tricky. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that that was my thing. It sort of took me out seeing that. Um, it was like, oh, we're doing a big space movie, so we have to have our big cosmic battle. But to see Asgardians, you know, firing laser cannons was just weird. Well, we'll see how they do with Guardians. But Guardians, well, that's going to be great because that's straight up sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. But, you know, um, and listen, I thought it was very clever, the whole notion of the Rainbow Bridge, you know, yeah, it's creating, you know, a, a wormhole of sorts. I mean, the whole, you know, Eisenstein Bridge thing, yeah. I, I think I thought it was really clever. The nine realms, fine. The nine planets happen to be connected. In fact, something I really liked about the second movie is the whole notion of the convergence. And they're all the on Id- top of each other, right? Yeah, the idea of that, because it, exactly, it was always, the nine realms always seem like they're on top of each other and they're yeah. connected by a grassle and this idea of what's well, a cosmic convergence, that this happens explains why these planets would be connected. Right. You know? I wanted to so, see a battle in hell so badly. Because you see yeah. it, you glimpse it, and yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would um, be awesome. Anything else you want to add on Hobbit? On, on The Hobbit, I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was great. I love the elf stuff. I like the barrel um, sequence. The barrel sequence is fun. Especially but, but in, when in particular, Bomber I mean, gets into the barrel armor. Yeah. The bomber stuff in the barrel armor was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, very funny. And, uh, I mean, seriously, you know, most people, you know, look back at the first trilogy and the Legolas fight scenes are, are very you know they're they're scene stealing right and you get awesome ones in this movie yeah blow the first trilogy away for that stuff yes and you know and, and you know between him and Toriel and back and forth and all of it and I mean you get it early on you know then you get it again off the barrels and he's jumping on the barrels and all that that was awesome a lot of the actions to camera like it's like shooting a thing like a like an arrow through an orc's head and right. the, the framing of it and I was thinking about those long sequences because the barrel sequence the barrel escape sequence and the sequence of smog at the end uh, those storyboards in those pre-visualization sequences had to have been so work intensive yeah. because the the suspense and the action is just toned down to the beat you know yes. what I mean it's just yes. awesome yes uh, those are really impressive sequences did they run too long it's up to you I mean I think the action is so high that they become exhausting like just just based on like the flurry of what you're saying I have no complaints with any of those but scenes you will take it those, those scenes are awesome you will take it because you're only getting these movies once every couple of years or once every year well, yeah, and you don't get year, them yeah. again they never you know, will be again you won't and, get and, them again and, and, and that's a very good point see I like add all this because when are you even getting a taste of this again I, and I, I just thought I just thought those scenes were just fantastic. with the World of Warcraft movie yeah, but, but it's, your it's connection not to be, those characters isn't the same. It's not. It's not going to be this, right? And it's you know we love Duncan Jones. Doing it. Yeah, Duncan Jones oh, is doing God. it. We love it, and Guillermo del Toro. We love him, and yeah. and and he's going to maybe do some fantasy stuff. We love it when yeah, people do fantasy of stuff, of course. But these are characters that defined fantasy in the 20th century. Absolutely, the Lord of the Rings movies were the definitive fantasy. Every, the, everything flows from it. And everything flows from it. Shannara flows look, from look, it. Dra- right. Dragon There's a reason I made the comment about, about the most, spider scene. Most 70s rock music flows from it. I'm saying, you know, I made the comment about the Harry Potter comment. Uh, right. I don't know how well you know those movies or those books. No. All right. I read those books. The have, you seen, have you seen the movies? So, I've seen most of the movies, yeah. You know, so... But well, I have no connection. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, no, of course, of course. You know, I mean, the idea of the scene of, you know, all those spiders, and this so blows it away. Now, of course... Harry Potter stuff is derived from this, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was just intense. And the spiders, 
I mean, listen, and it's years later, and that's the thing about VFX. Things are only getting better and better. Right. The VFX on the spiders were good. In the, the storyboarding was awesome. Yeah. That sequence was As you said, awesome. I jumped. It was like, it's not like I didn't know something was coming, but it was just intense. Mm-hmm. Loved it. So a really impressive movie. Whatever you guys think of The Hobbit, um, whether you're complaining that it's three movies or not. Again, I, I, I side with what Ian said. When are you going to get these movies again? Mm-hmm. When are you going to get it to the scale? And maybe you will get it to the scale with a Duncan Jones World of Warcraft, but are you going to get it with characters that you love to, on this level that you grew up with that any geek knew? I mean, what, if you're a geek and you didn't read the Lord of the Rings movies or Lord of the Rings books as a kid, right? I mean, that's sacrilegious. Yes. Um, that's like not reading a comic book. Well, well, video well yeah, but like, it is. Lord of the Rings but, is just but, part but, of being but, a geek. You know what? It, you know what's interesting is it's different now, and you know you're going to have viewers of all, all all different ages. And well, now they have know, the Harry Potter books because in lieu of it, you know. Well, well, but I'm not even saying in lieu of. You know, the Harry Potter books come out, and everyone already knew they were making Lord of the Rings movies. Right. You know, when we were kids. No one dreamed. It was unfilmable. No, well, you had the cartoon sequence. You had yeah. the cartoon, which was just Return of the King. But I'm saying, well, as, you had as the a live action movie. Too. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm saying, as a live action movie, no one, they were trying to make it forever. No one dreamed it was mm-hmm. doable. It's certainly not on this scale. It was, it was originally, it was going to be much shorter. I mean, no one imagined that what we'd get with the first trilogy, much less the second. So what, I, what I'm speaking to is, you know, when we were kids and the movies didn't exist, how could you have not have read it? I'm not saying don't read before you watch things, but now that, you know, listen, the, those movies are several years old now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, someone, you know, in their late teens, early 20s. Maybe saw the movies instead of read it. Yeah. I mean, h- how are you a geek and how do you not see those movies? And guess what? You know, you may watch those movies at seven years old. Well, now you didn't read it. Right. You know, that, that, that now happens. You know, that I know, I agree, I agree with you. But when that Silmarillion movie comes out, you're, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna know what the fuck is going on. Um, let's talk about uh, more sci-fi, let, or let's talk about a few things. I mean, we were talking about the Marvel movies, and um, I'm of the opinion. You guys know how I've, I've felt about the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, this Amazing Spider-Man two uh, preview and just I, didn't do it for did, me. Did that term, did I come on for the Amazing Spider-Man movie? Because I know no, we were talking about a lot. Oh. Yeah, well, but that second, but, but let me tell you, the second, or the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 preview that was put out domestically, I'm watching it, and it just gave me the same feeling as Amazing Spider-Man, the first mm-hmm. movie. I watched the international trailer, which we put up on Geekscape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good trailer. It's actually a pretty good trailer. If you can go without the subtitles, because there's subtitles, because right. it's, you know, it's a foreign trailer, but it's got a better pace. It's got more humor. It's got what feels like a lot more Spider-Man. It's got a bit of uh, a, a little more focus on Electro, right? you know. And you have a great shot of uh, Paul Giamatti in the Rhino suit, and the Rhino clamps down, and he's ready to for action. You get, you just, it just feels like a, like a solid Spider-Man movie. But, but you know, listen. I know I'm setting myself up. Yeah, for I mean, I mean, Jonathan, I, I'm about to take a shot at myself because I was on both before and after Spider-Man Three. You know, and you teased me because I was so excited for Spider-Man Three. I'm not and saying it was the such a piece the of shit. shit. Yeah, and, and and you know, and my comment, of course, is going to be, you know, there are people that make a lot of money. Sometimes they drop the ball, but sometimes they get it right. You know, in P and A, in making a trailer. Yeah. You know. No, this trailer was, um, I mean, was the best. L- l- the let's be honest. We were excited, as much as we would have liked to have seen it revert. We were pretty excited for Amazing Spider-Man. 
I've argued on this show that I do not want to see Spider-Man or X-Men or Fantastic Four revert because, I mean, their ability to make these movies every year just gets toned down. Does that make sense? Like, like no, some, no. Like, I, I think, think I think you're out of your fucking mind. You think Disney? You, you can just, pay just to said make something. No, you just said something that, that is going to make your viewers very happy because you're going to make me fucking rant. But does that make sense? You really think that Disney will pay, will, will make five Marvel movies a year? We'll get, you think Disney would be able to give it, us it, an X Men? If, if they had Spider Man, be able to give us why they don't have enough money? <laughs> what, what are you saying? They're paying for Spider uh, Star Wars. So what? They're paying for the Marvel so what? movies. Oh, right, because they're going to lose money on <laughs> Star Wars. Rant it. You know. I mean, seriously, are you really suggesting that if Disney got Spider Man, they wouldn't have the money to make them? Right? Is that what you're saying? As frequently. Bullshit. Bullshit. First of all. You know, you have to look at, at, at Disney as it's now, it's this conglomerate. I mean, they bought other companies, so they have different divisions doing different things. Um, Marvel's what Marvel is. So your argument really is how many different Marvel movies can they make? First of all, I, I would sort of That's suggest. That's Yeah, it, we're getting to this interesting place, you know, where is it, is it oversaturating the market? And the answer is, well, it clearly isn't because it's the box office. The only question is, can one studio be doing it? And That's if what I'm it, it, but if it's different creators on it, then of course they can. It's just your question is really a financing it question. Mm-hmm. And if anyone can, it's Disney, right? You know, so I don't I don't think it's an issue at all. Um, you know, there's arguably a, a question of all right, is the marketplace too crowded? Are they competing with each other? Which we sort of see a little bit of right now. When you see um, Captain America move studios. forward into April and you see... Right. right. And, and, and that's just exactly what I was going to say. You'll be getting Thor in November and it's doing fucking great. You know, I don't care if it's summer or not. No one else does. You know, the, the, the day of the superhero movie has to be in the middle of the summer is over. No one cares. They're going. You know, it doesn't have to be the summer for it to make a lot of fucking money. <laughs> you know? I mean, right. it, it's that simple. It, it's, it's year long. It's... It, it's, it's Analogous to how television evolved, where it used to be, you know, TV was only on and there were only decent ratings in certain months in the year, and it was, you know, September to May, and that was it. That's not the case anymore. Right. You know, um, people are going to, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, so uh, if anyone could afford it, Disney can afford it. So um, with, to, to just get into the, the, the synergy between the movies and what you could do, um, for that alone, it's frustrating. And I think that's a good segue into what Sony's doing, what they announced this week, which is, you know, they, they announced um, Venom, Venom yeah. on its own and Sinister Six on its own. And they didn't say it, but they brought up this brain trust about some great writers working yeah. on these. But my fear is um, when I hear brain trust and that's what they're doing, what it feels like to me is they've said, well, we have Spider-Man. So we want, we're calling this our Spider-Man universe. And I think the implication is we do a Venom movie, we do a Sinister Six movie, and then we build into, whether it be Amazing Spider-Man 3 or 4, right. or whatever it is, they're trying to do Spider-Man alone as what Marvel did with Avengers. And mm-hmm. Phase 2, it'll be Avengers 2. And so they're trying to, I, it seems to me like they're trying to create for Spider-Man, for Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4 will be the culmination from those other movies. And, and I find that frustrating. Um, I think I'm one of the few people, and only a diehard, insane comic fan like myself, who reads everything, is really going to have that much appreciation for that. Well, people go, yeah, they may go, but it, to me it feels very diluted. I mean, 
as you know, and you know, and I always laugh when I talk about um, X Men First Class, and I, I did the show, and we were talking about it, and you said, um, "Did you even like the movie?" Yeah, you, I, I had said I liked the movie, and then I started talking about it, and it sounded like I didn't. And the thing about that movie is, it was two scripts that were in development that they smashed together, and the best thing in it was the Magneto stuff, Magneto script. But there was a character that had developed over several X Men movies. You know, it was really was a standout character who had a really engaging story and the idea of him young and having been in Auschwitz and hunting Nazis. That's kind of cool. That's kind of different, you know. Um, So I get why. I mean, Spider-Man 3 wasn't that good, but we understood at that time why you might do a Venom movie. Right. Um, The fact that they reset Spider-Man movies, which you know from the get-go, I thought it was just too soon. To redo these things, you know. So they made Amazing Spider-Man. And now do a Venom movie where you're kind of dependent on the previous franchise for people even to get it. I mean, Sinister Six. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to do a movie on an anti-hero. Um, I, I don't know. So I, do they, I, I think it's grasping. Which comes first? Does Sinister Six come first because you start to see some of those characters in Spider-Man 2? Or does Venom start come first? We have uh, yet to see Venom in this one. Right, that's exactly my so point. Does, so does so, Six uh, come first and uh, introduce uh, Venom? I would think, well, is that the way you do it, or or, does, or do we introduce Venom somehow in this one? We have I Venom. Mean, that, we that, actually that, make that's, a Venom that's origin just it. movie. I mean, because if does you do Venom a standalone movie, what, what is it? Does Venom, Venom become the Eddie Brock or the uh, the, the the good guy, the Flash? Well, Thompson, wait, the good guy? well, wait a second. If you want to talk about Venom, realize there was Venom, you know, lethal protector. You know, so you go back to Venom. He was terrorizing Spider-Man for years in the comic as very, you know, maybe an annual appearance. And then they decided he got popular, so they did, they did the Venom Lethal Protective miniseries. And they made him, as Eddie Brock, for a while Venom was like an anti-hero. Right. He was trying to do his own thing. I mean, yeah, he still talked about eating brains, but they, there was several miniseries, you know, there was a series of miniseries they were doing where he, the Eddie Brock Venom was really trying to, you know... Do good. And here they have so, Flash Thompson currently as the, right. as the Venom. So, so the, the, then they, have, they evolved into this. Um, I don't think you do the Flash Thompson version because the Flash Thompson version initially does not have the, the clash with Spider-Man. Right. But um, you know what they did do story-wise in Spider-Man 3 that they clearly haven't done here is there's a reason for it. You know, you have the, you know, the whole thing of, of the symbiote feeling rejected by it. Um, I don't know if you're reading the current comic, but as much as I've been, you know, like it's dragging on about Doc Ock is still, you know, yeah. in Peter's mind, but this last issue, the way it ended, was an incredible payoff because, yeah, it's the symbiote taking over, Peter, who it hungered for, but it's Ock in there who, you got to think, doesn't have the character to fight it off that right. Peter did. You know, so I was pretty like, all right. Yeah, we see the superior Venom at the end of yeah, superior yeah. Spider-Man. That, that page was a home run for me. Right. You know, so that's interesting. And, and the, that's and just the it. The, Venom one that, be... the symbiote's the one that will immediately know that it's Doc in Peter's body. They, they so, may go there. So, that's interesting. So, I mean, why wouldn't it know that, it was P, that it's Ock in Peter's body? Right. You would think you it know, would. The second he attaches and mentally attaches to Doc yeah. Ock in Peter's body, he yeah. knows it's Peter. It's going to know it's he, not he right. It's not Peter. But he has traces of Peter's memory, even though Ock has extinguished traces exactly. of Peter's memory. Exactly. So he can re-download Peter. I mean, you know, the, maybe they're going there. The question is, is it genetic, the, the, the attachment? So you know, if so, if it's a genetic thing, then is it going to recognize him even though the mind's different? I, yeah, I'm, we'll see where they go probably next week. Right. You know, um, but 
my the point is getting back to the movies is I don't know what that movie is or who cares. There's a reason why you would have made that movie back after Spider-Man Three if it done a bit better, mm-hmm. you know. But right now, I don't know how it makes sense. I don't know. I mean, listen, a lot of people said, "Oh, who cared about Iron Man?" And Marvel hit it out of the park. It's a lesser-known character, but it was a hero, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Marvel was very smart about how they developed things, and I see Sony's going to try to copy it. And I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like it's grasping at straws. I mean. I guess they sort of have to, you know, it potentially will make money. And maybe you're right, at least it's, you know, they have the money to develop it that way. You're absolutely right that if Marvel had, had the franchise, I don't think they'd bother with those movies. Mm-hmm. It's not a direction. They have so much to do that would they go there? But it doesn't mean it's a good thing. You know, from the get-go with Marvel, my, my fear has been they could be the victim of their own success because every single movie can't be the same level of blockbuster, nor should every movie. Or know? quality of movie. Well, which is where we're. Well, quality is part of the right. point. They're talking about making some other characters, you know, lower tier characters, not spending stuff, as yeah. much money, you know. But you know what sucks about the nature of the business is, even if they spend less money, you're still going to have people, you know, the you know the film analysts going, oh well, that one didn't do that well. Right. You know, oh, Marvel's lost it. Even if they only spend $25 million making a small movie. Um, only oh, spend $25 million. Exactly. Right. But that's what's happened. Right. For a studio movie, though, it's $25 million is... Conservative. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, my God, it didn't do the same half a billion dollars. You know? I mean, a lot of them aren't going to. I mean, you know, they do a Moon Knight movie. You know, it's not going to make... Well, they can now do this. a Ghostwriter movie. They can now do a Punisher movie. Those the right. characters did revert. Yeah, they they reverted. You know, um, do you put them in the next phase of the Netflix look, deal? Look, but I was just going to say to you, um, I was so excited to see. We don't need to do another Daredevil movie TV show. Awesome, which is how it should have been. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and you know, and a lot of people think that the implication there is they'll do their Netflix thing, they'll come together as defenders, and they very well may end up populating back into you know pop up in an Avengers movie and all. Right. It'll be a cameo. What I mean, look, anyone that reads the Avengers these days knows it's. I don't want to say it's unfilmable, but it's not filmable in a way to give everyone screen time right. or significant screen time, you know, where, where you have such a big squad. But if you're dealing with those smaller characters on a TV show and they just do cameos, you know, and yeah, oh, there's Daredevil in the corner, you know, <laughs> fight, fighting the next wave of Chitauri, right. that's kind of awesome. Or the Hulk actually joins the Defenders in that series on TV. <laughs> you know, the, the, I know. the CGI for that. <laughs> look, look it, it's Defenders in name only. And, right. and it actually makes sense. Right. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, right now in the comic, what it is is it's what Mighty Avengers as a comic is yeah, right now. Yeah. It's the street-level street guys, guys that are, you know, Avengers. But, you know, they're not going to call them, you know, a different version of Avengers. So calling them Defenders is fun. Look, the Defenders comic book is near and dear to my heart. It was, to me, as a kid, like, it was the first thing I bought them all up, mm. you know, and I had them all. And, you know, they weren't as expensive, but also they're really cool because it was they had this non-team, like, Doctor if you Strange, showed up, and you've got well, no, no, Silver no, Surfer. Well, the core that. was, you know, Namor, Silver mm-hmm. Surfer, Hulk, and Doctor Strange. But it's not them as a team, mostly, because there was supposedly this mystic prophecy if right. they came together, you know, all this bad shit was going to happen. So it was mostly the mainstays. It was Doctor Strange and everyone working around his brownstone who came in. And, you know, you had Valkyrie, you had Hellcat, you had Nighthawk. You know, they were a... You know, it was Ghost Rider for a bit, yeah. Well, that yeah. was just it. With the Defenders, if you were... In it for one issue, you remember the team. Right. Your son of Satan was in it a lot. 
you know. But um, later, they actually had a, a, a pseudo um, original X Men because post Champions and all that, you know, you had Beast, Angel, and Iceman, and right towards the end of the def- the original Defenders run, right. You know, and you had Gargoyle was in there for a long time. Um, you know, you had uh, Demon Slayer, and you know, obviously Valkyrie was always a mainstay, as was Hellcat. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, this idea, well, that's what they are. They're, they're defending the neighborhood, that kind of right. thing. It'll be really interesting to see what the storyline that they develop will be. Um, listen, it's exciting. You know, they were trying to develop the, uh, uh, the um, what do you call it, Jessica Jones you know, think for a while ABC had it and didn't go anywhere, so they'll, they'll do it now. Um, I'm really excited for the Netflix shows. Um, I think they'll, they're going to blow away what S.H.I.E.L.D. was for so many reasons. Let's hope, yeah. Let's hope. Well, look, the biggest problem with the S.H.I.E.L.D. show, from the get-go, I was not as excited as I might have been because I wouldn't be excited if I heard they're doing a S.H.I.E.L.D. comic. Right. It's, you know, it's not as bad, but it was like, you know, years ago they did a damage control comic. And for those listeners that don't know, Damage Control is this fictional like the sweep-up team. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the sweep-up guys that in the Marvel Universe, they come in and clean up after it. So they try to do some corporate intrigue into it, and there was some, a little bit of like corruption in it and all that. But, you know, that's never going to sell a lot. No. I mean, who gives a At shit? At the end of the day, who gives yeah, a damn? Yeah, yeah. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, gets into some interesting stuff, and, you know, they're, they're building up this world, and... It's a cool TV show working in this in this world, you know. Um, but it feels like a cleanup squad. Well, yeah, but it's going to be that. But you know, they're making their own show. It has the intrigue, you know, the the spy stuff. It's a spy show that has to be set in the Marvel universe. So there's fantastic elements that come with that. Maybe cool though. Every now and then to see portions of the Marvel universe besides right. just and that's what's yeah. important. And listen, so far on that show. They keep they keep giving us little things, little nods, certain right. characters that are much more shield oriented. But th- there are some Easter eggs in there. They're developing some stuff. I know mm-hmm. you're behind on it, but you know when, when you catch up, we'll talk about it. Um, you get a sense that it, it, it's going somewhere. Let's shift gears to the trailers. Okay. Jupiter ascending. Jupiter the new ascending. Wachowski brothers movie. No, the Wachowski. Wachowski siblings. Siblings. The, the, I got from you. the yeah, creators no, that brought you. The completely right. You're completely yes. right. You're completely right on that one. Siblings. Uh, the Wachowski siblings. Um, you loved this trailer. I thought it was great. Um, it looked amazing. Visually, you're right. It yeah. is pristine. It looks awesome. Um, I've always been a fan of Guyliner. Uh, <laughs> you know, in the future or wherever the other planet, wherever Channing Tatum's character comes in, this right. he's got the guy liner. Um, to me, it feels like another <coughs> that you're not in the world you think that you're in. Let me take you from the world that you know and show you a bigger world. I mean, it feels like a Matrix. Well, you know what? What it really is, it's I, I appreciate the idea that you know they, they're going back to certain themes, but it's really more of the. Um, the changeling child. Right. The child that thinks they know who they are, but they really come from somewhere else. Which we've seen a million times. I mean, arguably that's, that's at Star Wars, right. you know? Yeah. But, you know, listen, as you know, and you're, you're a writer and you're very good at it and you analyze writing and, you know, you go back to Joseph Campbell, you know? It's, there aren't that many new stories. Right. It's what you do with them and the execution and everything else. 
I mean, those tropes work very well. And I love that it's aliens. I love that it's not alternate reality, like right or a masked reality. How how would you describe the Matrix? It was a it was a a, a, a mirage. It was like a a masked reality, right? Like they they pull a veil back, and this is what the actual world was. It, 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 In this, it, it, it is it, literally it, another world. In it, this, it's literally you, know, the you, earth, you want to know how I describe the it? earth being inter, in, you know brought into a, a bigger. Interplanetary. The, the way I describe it, th- 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 this is my little hand job to Grant Morrison. Right. It, it, it's the Invisibles. Yeah, that's how you describe you know? the Matrix. Yeah, it's the that, Invisibles. That's, that, Fair enough. But that's just and they it. received a ton well, of criticism for right. that. Of course. Well, right. what Grant Morrison said, what he did is, you know, the Matrix did this whole thing about okay, the sci-fi take on it, but you know what the Invisibles really said, and you know a lot of New Age people think is that you know we all know that you know reality is what we perceive. And this notion of different planes of existence and, you know, freeing your mind and all that. Sure. That, that's what The Invisibles was and it was about. And, uh, and he dealt with the, even notions of how time works and right. seeming time travel when you have a different perspective of nonlinear time. You know, Invisibles certainly went way further than The Matrix ever did. Mm-hmm. But, um, but The Matrix certainly suggested it. Um, made it accessible, too. I, I, you know, I, I, I have mixed feelings about Morrison's feelings about it because, yes, great. You know, The Matrix was made by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers owned um, Vertigo, which put out his book, The Invisibles, which doesn't mean, once again, that just the, the concept of that is sacrosanct and, you know, owned by him. Um, yeah, the similarities end there. You know, uh, look, um, anytime you have a movie that's going to be uh you know thinking about different levels of reality you know you have to compare it to, i mean is inception just the matrix again right you know they're very different movies but in many ways yes you know um so i don't have a problem with that i, I didn't agree with you um when you said it to me. in fact edge of tomorrow which your wife the made a comment was groundhog day but that reminded uh, me more. Cruise, he said the Tom Cruise movie Edge of Tomorrow looks like Groundhog Day. But like yeah. Starship Troopers Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. It's very funny. <laughs> I didn't hear and it is. I was thinking Starship Troopers yeah. all the time. Yeah. But, but when I was watching it, what I liked about <laughs> it is I wasn't thinking Starship Troopers the movie. I was thinking this is what I wanted when I read Starship Troopers. Because right, people that don't Highland know book. haven't read it. It's yeah. a power suit. Yeah. It's awesome. You no, can leap and stuff. The, the, the book, you know. The Starship Troopers book is awesome. You, when you watch the Verhoeven movie, you have to understand that it's parody. Right. That it's... it's Commentary. He, yeah, he's yeah. political commentary. Exactly. Um, you know, he purposely did the whole uh, propaganda 90210 cast right. as like a fuck you. Right, you know? but the Heinlein book is all about the these books, power suits yeah. that you get into. Power suits, and none of that, like none, none of the hooking up crap. Right. I mean, there's a reason why, like, you know, people in West Point, you know... They make him read that and Ender's Game. Right. You know, like, they're, it's, it's a brilliant it's book a war, it's and a it's hardcore. And, yeah. and watching that movie and most of them, like, wow, it looks amazing. You know? Yeah, this um, does feel like the Starship Troopers book. Right. I, I mean, I'm a little concerned about where they're going to go with the Groundhog Day thing of it, and we'll see what it well, is. We're talking about Edge of Tomorrow now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, we've gone to Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I also felt like it's, it feels a little similar to Oblivion. I'm intrigued. But I definitely want to see it. But, and I didn't mean to go off Jupiter Ascending because I just wanted to say, you know, your Matrix commentary. Um, sure. Look, um, I mean. Possibly, probably unfair. I, I thought unfair. I thought that you're only said it because it was Michowski's. 
Yeah, and it was somebody. This is not the world you think it is. Oh, let me show you a bigger world. Let me open your eyes to this. But, but, and rescue but, you. Wait, what? But I'm it's part a, of a bigger but, fabric. But that's oh. just it. Right. Yes, the line may be similar, but it's for a different reason. And it's classic. It's, it's, it's a classic it, it, storytelling. It, yeah, it's right. not. It's not the world you're in is different. It's there's a bigger universe. Right. You know, dude. It's it's Star Wars. You know, you, you're you know even though he knows you know your 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 life isn't. Tatooine and what's happening here. Right. You know, let me show you the force. You know, you don't even realize what you're part of. You know, now to make you laugh, it's I am number four, you know. <laughs> Which I, you saw that? I did see it. I did see it. It's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, the, the whole high school like, thing. I'm going to get you a t shirt. I'm going to get you an I am number four t shirt. It was, uh, it's fun. It has its moments. But, but, dude, Tim Oliphant's in it. But I am looking forward to both these movies. But I'm saying, Tim Oliphant's right. on it, and he kicks ass. So, you know, what are you, you going to say? You want to Ju- make fun of me? Jupiter Ascending, I think you have to look at just because of the spectacle it's going to be. Those guys are going to make a it pristine-ass looked, thing. The like, scale it's awesome. of it but was then again, amazing. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the one that they made with, um, was, uh, what's the name of the German filmmaker who did Run, Little Run? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. The, 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 yeah. The, um, I, I did not see that one. The four-hour four one. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Um, I'm embarrassed. And it, and it promised just to be as pristine and, mm-hmm. and awesome. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out. You know, if I, I will definitely see Jupiter Sending. Yeah. I think it looks Jupiter amazing. Jupiter I'll definitely see Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Because I like Oblivion. I love Oblivion. I thought Oblivion was cool. And yeah. then, um, and of course, I like the Starship Troopers. Yeah. You um, know... You know anybody the, in a the, robot the, suit. I'm down with anybody in a robot well, suit. Well, here, here, like, here, here's the thing, and, yeah. and, and I'm setting myself up for, Omaha for many Beach jokes on parallels. This. I like but, all that stuff. But I'm setting myself for many jokes on this, but Tom Cruise has had an interesting career. And you know, you notice the last several years he's going to sci-fi a lot, and he hasn't made a bad sci-fi movie yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surprised you're not taking the shots, but the obviously jokes of the Scientology thing. Sure, you know, but the, I, I think those are easy, yeah. But, um, you know... Um, I wonder if, as a career path, did he say, well, if I want to make movies that make a lot of money, I do the big sci-fi movies? You sure. Know? I'm not sure. There was a time, people don't realize, but when the, people were talking about Iron Man, people were talking about Tom Cruise for a while. Oh, I remember, absolutely. When, you know? uh, when, 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 when Millar and Go, the, the writers of, uh, of Smallville, yeah, Goff. when they were, uh, Goff, yeah. when those guys were, were running, and it was still over at Sony, Paramount? Where was... Where was Iron Man at that time? But yeah, they had the Smallville creators was, working on it. Tom Cruise yeah, was going to star as Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's always been kind of into the sci-fi. And you know what? In all honesty, if he, if he keeps doing like Ben Stiller style comedies, mm-hmm. like if, if Ben Stiller still kind of throws in like comedy stuff. Like I, well, remember the Hardy Men? When they announced the Hardy Men, it was yeah. the Hardy Boys growing up and it was Ben right. Stiller and, and Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, I still kind of want to awesome. see that movie. It'd be awesome. You know, I think that, that movie would be hilarious. I mean, he's funny as, as hell and... Um, the the uh, what is it Tropic Thunder? Tropic, oh, he's Incredible. brilliant in that. Um, no, I think he, I think he's funny, and and I'm you know the Scientology thing or the Oprah's couch thing, this and there. It's just been, it's been it's been done a lot. It's been covered a lot. I think uh, with this one, it's like let's let's go. You know, we loved Oblivion. He's obviously a charismatic actor. We love Jack Reacher. Reacher. Jack Reacher was I thought I was, actually haven't seen it. Yet. Oh, Jack Reacher was great. Oh, yeah, I need to see it. Well, that's Jack that's Reacher the other really cool. Week. You know, he's, he's developing a. a Book sequel to turn into a movie. Yeah, Jack, Jack Reacher was overlooked. I felt like, and I know uh, a lot of people that Olivia's read the books fantastic. that were really sure. Yeah, I mean, he's, listen, he's always issues more of like books. a military jarhead type. Well, more than that, yeah, is he's, he's supposed, supposed to be, be like, like this giant guy. He's supposed to be a truck. He brought yeah, Lesnar exactly. But here we've got Tom Cruise, and but, you know what? The movie is. And good. By, by the way, far from the first thing they adapted, and you know, right. the star they got was just completely different physically. No, I'm that. looking forward to it. Um, 
So we got those two trailers. Um, Ian, um, we got to have you back because we didn't even touch comics. We got to have you back because well, we, we touched them a little bit. We didn't even touch on how awesome Mob City is. Yeah, if you guys I, you know, watching I, Mob I, City, I definitely want to talk about Mob City. I mean, Mob it's City amazing. is awesome. And if you guys aren't watching Mob City, it's only and, it's only six hours. And, and, and by the way, speaking of something when we talked about you know time of year, Mob City's airing that you know it was. They shot six episodes for season right. one. Hopefully, they'll get a season two. But they're putting them out um, two episodes. Yeah, two at a time. For three so, weeks. so re- basically, in two weeks' time, you, you get the whole first season. In December, which is generally thought of as like a no man's land for television, and the numbers are good. I mean, I uh, love that show. Yeah, it's brilliant. You it's guys, it's Frank Darabont who did The Walking Dead. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm, you know, I know it's on iTunes. Also, the numbers doing great there, so you you can. See Watch it that it. way. So um, I, I would download them, if only yeah. for John Bernthal. He's really great. Simon Pegg, with an American okay. accent, is awesome. Alexa and Davalos is doing career-level work. And in episode three. I mean, you, and I, you and I, we talked a little bit about The sequence this? in episode three. Just Amazing. get Amazing. to that and you... I mean, you're sold. I, yeah. I think the first episode is incredible. Watch Mob Absolutely. City. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the guy who plays the assassin, the heavy. Yeah, it's it's is, so good. Uh, there's so I'm much. So you and I haven't even talked about Alexa. I mean, she's just dead on. You would think she speaks like that. Mm-hmm. Is she British? No. What was she? But right. she's she's American. But right. just you know, the, the Kurt. It's such a, without it seeming like she's gone too far. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the stilted tones of you know that that femme fatale, that dame. Right. You know, you know, a dame to die for, a dame to kill for. You know, she just nails it. The, the accent I'm impressed by is Simon's American accent. Yes, yeah, and it's great. worth downloading episodes. Um, guys, we're gonna let you guys go because this is the geek skip that's running along. Um, it's awesome to have Ian back. It's obviously not his last one, and I could literally do a geek skip with Ian every week. I think you guys may love that. You guys may hate that. I don't know. Well, what's up to you guys? We could talk about it. We'll see what they say. <laughs> let us know your thoughts. We will see you guys next time. Um, follow Geekscape on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Search for Geekscape. Befriend us at Jonathan Leonard on Twitter. And you know what? We have the Stitcher player, like this little Stitcher widget on the front of the page. You can watch, every, you can listen to every uh, Geekscape episode on the Stitcher app on the front of the page. So click it, subscribe it, like it, whatever uh, you want to do at geekscape.net. We'll see you guys in a few days.